Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Monkeypox has now reached a state of emergency in California. The state has seen about 800 cases so far, with about 40 in San Diego County, which declared its own state of emergency on Monday. You can find more information about vaccines and how to protect yourself at sandiegocounty.gov. Joining me today is Fernando Z. Lopez, Executive Director of San Diego Pride, who has been helping to inform the community. Fernando, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So you've been in talks with public health officials and other organizations who are banding together to fight monkeypox. Tell me about your involvement so far. Sure. So uh, I think what most folks will frequently think about San Diego Pride is just being the parade and festival. We're actually a year-round education and advocacy organization. And so as this issue arose in our community around the globe, of course, we wanted to make sure that we were staying as informed as possible, pulling together as many resources and community partners as possible to be one of the many regional players in trying to see how we address these issues going forward. So, uh, you know, of course, we're just coming straight out of pride. So we had a lot on our plate, um, and as did everyone else in our community. And, and we're all just trying to collaborate, coordinate um, the best we can so we can get the best information back out to our community as possible. Yeah. So what is the message you're trying to get out? You know, what are some of the high level, most important things for people to understand about monkeypox? Well, I, I think the most important thing to remind people of is educate yourself. I think that like you have to take the time to educate yourself about what are the signs, what are the symptoms, what are the risk factors. And so really diving in personally to understand the this new and emerging um, as, uh, this new and emerging situation and see how you best can move forward with that knowledge and arm yourself, right? With any sort of public health issue, with any issue of bodily autonomy, we want to make sure that you're educating yourself and you can make the best decisions possible to protect yourself. And one of the challenges has been that, you know, this is a uh, newer infection, um, it's a newer outbreak, and so the data and the science and the messaging is working diligently to catch up so we can provide all of that information to the communities who are at risk. So you have, you know, fought against uh, the stigmatization of monkeypox as a so-called gay disease. Where is this idea coming from and how are you combating it? Well, I, I think that in some media outlets and definitely on social media, you're seeing folks uh, continue to push out false narratives about the LGBT community and, and particularly with uh, the monkeypox outbreak. And the reality is it is not an STI, but it does it is behaving in some ways as though it is an STI. What we're talking about is a disease that is transmitted through close personal contact. And you know, when you're physically intimate with someone or dancing up close to someone for a prolonged period of time, that qualifies as that close physical contact. And so Right now, that outbreak is currently predominantly in men who have sex with men. And so because of that, in many ways, it's being targeted as an LGBT disease, and that's simply not the case. There are a whole host of reasons why uh, the United States stopped vaccinating against smallpox and why outbreaks might now be possible all around the world. And so those sort of epidemiological, uh, epidemiological choices along the way from a public health standpoint are now impacting folks all over the world. And so that is in no way the fault of uh, men who have sex with men or members of the LGBT community. 
I think also, you know, when we talk about uh, anything that has to do with sex or physical intimacy, there's oftentimes this still like lingering puritanical sense in the United States of anything that has to do with sex and intimacy is bad. And the uh, sort of right wing anti LGBTQ folks are sort of the same people who are policing women's bodies and people who want abortion. And so there's a lot of animosity towards sex for pleasure and um, and intimacy for the sake of pleasure. I mean, you look at legislation right now that is banning abortion, banning uh, prophylaxis or you know protection condoms, um, birth control pills. So we're already sort of in this environment that is targeting people's own body autonomy, their right to physical intimacy and pleasure, and they're building a lot of shame and stigma around sex and sexual intimacy. And, and let's be real, like the LGBTQ movement um, is sort of born out of sexual liberation. And so sex and physical intimacy absolutely is a part of the LGBT community. It's a part of the human experience. I think without sex, most of us would not be here. So uh, I think that somehow sex and pleasure and physical intimacy can be stigmatized and somehow placed only um, uh, or around the LGBT community. And obviously that's not only being placed in the LGBT community, right? Like women are also being targeted with that same uh, denigrating messages across the country. And so we're seeing the over-policing of, of women, of trans people, of LGBT people um, with regards to body autonomy all across the country. And so how do we sort of remove stigma and shame from sex and physical intimacy is something I think this country has been figuring out for a long time. And I, we obviously haven't solved that challenge. And I think that that's an important thing that we can sort of work on as a society as well. What are some challenges you've seen here locally, whether it has to do with, you know, stigma, uh, misinformation, lack of vaccines, et cetera? What are, what are the hurdles here in San Diego? I think some of the hurdles that we have here in San Diego are some of the challenges that we're seeing all across the country and around the world is just there's uh, been a lack of vaccines. It takes a while to produce, manufacture, and distribute vaccines, uh, as we've seen was the case with anything. And of course, with COVID, you know, we were very lucky to have vaccine developed so quickly. Uh, we are very fortunate to have uh, treatments available in San Diego. We're very fortunate to at least have some of those vaccines being able to be distributed. Uh, back in July, public education started about three months ago in the region. But really, we're all sort of struggling to catch up with the science, catch up with this outbreak, and try to stay ahead of it. Um, what you are also seeing is I think there's a lot of fatigue in the public health sector um, and in the nonprofit sector. You know, we've all been asked to do more with less uh, under just unprecedented circumstances through the COVID-19 outbreak. And so all of our organizations are really just sort of still struggling to catch up with all of that and make sure that we're making the right decisions as quickly as possible, disseminating the appropriate um, information that isn't stigmatizing to anyone and really helping folks understand the risks, understand the barriers to access, um, and, and find out how to uh, evaluate their own personal health, make the best choices for themselves, seek treatment when possible. And so I think, you know, we're all doing our best right now and that, but those are sort of the challenges. We're all in this together right now. Now, where would you point people um, to, you know, to go for more education? You know, you were like, get informed, make good decisions for yourself. What are some of the resources you've been turning to? 
So some of the best resources that I've been turning to are actually uh, either County Health has a wealth of information on their website. But what's been really exciting and inspiring to see is that a lot of this information was really disseminated across a global network of LGBTQ activists, uh, organizers, educators, and sex workers um, who were using their social media presence um, to educate themselves, to educate each other. And so in many ways, uh, was the LGBT community educating and advocating for itself before even public health um, officials or agencies were able to catch up because, you know, social media is uh, that much quicker, right? And folks have those really big followings. And so it's been really great to see that I think some of the lessons that the LGBT community has learned throughout COVID and obviously learned through the HIV and AIDS uh, pandemic is how to educate ourselves, how to take care of ourselves and each other in times of crisis and need, and to do so with compassion and without shame, fear, and stigma. And so what I think we're going to start seeing in the coming week or weeks is a lot more uh, nuanced messaging coming through a multitude of partners. Um, what we're hoping to do right now is collect the data, collect the science, collect the best tips and tricks on how to assess yourself, how to look for um, any signs or symptoms and how to pursue treatment, and then ensure that everybody is able to receive that messaging from the appropriate messenger. I think so often we, we hope for one unified message as though one tactic or one approach and one message is gonna be the right thing for all people. But the reality is that we're all very different. We're all very diverse and we all live very unique lives. And so making sure that each segment of any uh, facet of our community is able to read and understand the information and have that communicated to them by people that they trust, people that they know, and to speak to them in you know, the jargon or language or lingo that makes the most sense. And that message will be the best received. And sometimes that's through a newsletter. Sometimes that's through print. Sometimes that's through a podcast. Or sometimes that is through social media engagement and you know, TikTok and Twitter and all of those things. And so I think uh, as all of this information is getting together, you're going to see a lot more of that in the, in the days and weeks to come. Really well said. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, I do know that one of the other challenges that folks are having is, you know, there has been a limited vaccine supply. And so um, what folks have been seeing is uh, a really targeted, um, equitable approach to vaccine distribution. So, right, if you see that a house is on fire, um, you're making sure that the people who are in that house are safe and the people who are next to that house are safe, but you're not sending the fire trucks to the other side of town. And so right now this outbreak has predominantly been in MSM communities, which is why that is where the focus has been in this particular moment in time to try to prevent that from going too much further beyond uh, and hopefully uh, prevent like a, a huge epidemic, right? And so what we're looking at right now is that folks have been a little confused by the messaging or the quantity of vaccines. And so have been calling a lot over to 211 San Diego, who's been in doing an incredible job of making sure that they're doing the intake and the vetting for that vaccine process and distribution in partnership with the LGBT Community Center and San Diego Public Health or San Diego County uh, Public Health. And so what the, the system that County Health has uh, actually in, uh, put in place is you can actually get text updates um, in real time. So if there are new updates about the outbreak, if there are more vaccines or treatment available, you can be the first people to know that as soon as everybody else knows that. So all you have to do is text COSD monkeypox, COSD space monkeypox 
to 468311. And that will put you in the queue to get those real-time updates. And so that way you don't have to be calling every single day. You don't have to be checking a website every single day. Um, as soon as the new information is available, as soon as treatment, testing, vaccines are available, you will get that information.